It is Tuesday, the 14th of February 2017, and this is episode 302 of Digital Outbox. Love's in the air, Ian. Uh, really? I didn't expect that. I had um, a lot more cards than I normally have, which is zero today. Uh, it's, uh, it's cards. I normally have hate mail. <laughs> the, the, the postman loves it this time of year for me because he just walks on by. <laughs> but he's usually has got some See you later, sort of, Ian. <laughs> he usually has got some sort of shady parcel. But like, there's another parcel. <laughs> yeah, to all you people loved up today, Screw you guys. Screw you. <laughs> um, let's talk some news. What's been happening in the tech world? Uh, well, the travel ban has been higher on everyone's agenda, including tech firms. And uh, about 100 US technology companies have filed um, a legal brief opposing the travel ban. Now, obviously, it's been a while since we last did our, uh, our podcast, and this has been chuntering along for a while. And I think you know we're on that kind of almost permanent stay it looks like of this travel ban so it doesn't look like it's coming to effect nevertheless it raised important questions and tech firms uh, you know have a particular requirement for really high-end um you know uh, uh skill and knowledge and 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 basically being able to move people around the world to employ them is really important and they made them made their views be known yeah finally you know so i think there was a lots of there was lots of kind of so some firms were posturing others were saying they were doing things in the background a few of them were, were, were making it quite public about the legal um funds that they'd made available uh, if you're because yeah. because they i think you know so most big tech companies you know apple google microsoft um clearly the, the biggest and then it but, but, but they had people stuck you know, people that had been abroad and couldn't get back into America who had yep. lived there for, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, it wasn't the, just two years all ago. All the right paperwork, yeah, all that had been working there. It's just, it's, yeah. Um, so this this was good to see, you know, pretty much all all the, the all the big tech firms basically saying, let's all jump on this one, um, one legal file. And um, as you say, it's probably, you know, the the... The, the Trump has lost a couple of legal cases now. I think Clinton yep. Clinton tweeted a three 0 which was quite amusing. <laughs> and they are threatening to try and do a, a kind of separate, you know, let's change the word slightly, but just bring it back in again. Um, but hopefully, I mean, not it's, yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure, he, I'm sure he will. Um, let's see what happens. Uh, you know, it, it's important that the internet doesn't do what the internet does, which is get up itself, which it probably is doing. Um, but I'm glad that there are companies that also, you know, they're just saying, look, we're quietly doing things, you know, as companies do. We don't have to constantly be on Twitter telling everyone what we're doing and all those kind of things. It's just, it looks like some of the madness might be kept under control by the checks and measures as we as we sort of talked about before. But just for, from the technology angle, uh, these firms do need the movement of labour in order to be able to employ people, um, you know, it's you know every 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 firm or sorry every uh, sort of what's the, what's the word I'm looking for company type what's what's, what's the proper word corporate 
Oh, no. Nah. You know, most most firms need these kind of movements of people. Uh, things like health healthcare we know in this country is important, uh, but, but you know, but technology particularly needs the top top line people, and they need to be able to be moved around. Anyway, off the back of that, we had some um, we had some Uber backlash going on. So there was uh, New York Taxi Workers um, Alliance had called to stop pickups from JFK Airport um, for an hour-long period to protest uh, the immigration refugee ban. Um, Uber made a uh, tweet, which may be ill-judged, maybe was a bit um, skeptical. Uh, skeptical is that what's the word I'm looking for? It was look. It basically said we're not going to raise the price of our uh, prices while this this um, this strike is on and and uber's still operating so that didn't go down well with the uh the taxi firms no and also at the same time i mean uber uber particularly came under target because their ceo so travis and um, kalanick and um, was part of the business advisory council as is elon musk so so certainly tesla's been slightly tarnished by the whole thing and elon musk's i guess reputation has been tarnished by by them taking part of the business advisory council. So something that was trending was delete Uber. So there was a whole hashtag delete Uber, and and what looks to have happened is that not only that that was a, a massively trending topic for for days. It wasn't just you know it wasn't just a, a blip, um, but Lyft actually from from pretty much nowhere. It was always outside I think the top I think sixty or seventy on the app store. It was the top ten as people decided right. You know, I'm I'm going to do something, and after a few days, um, the Uber CEO, um, quit the advisory council, and tr- and also when you searched for Lyft on the App Store, the number one return was Uber because they just mm-hmm. bought lots of adverts and the same on Google, so they were just buying position. I mean, but the the problem is, you know, who, maybe Lyft was so far down the the, the list because it's rubbish. Maybe it, I, I don't know. I've never used. I never used actually either of those. So two. I've used Uber because but, it was in the UK. Yeah, Lyft's yeah. only US and I think a couple other places at the moment. Um, but from from what I can read, you can't. So a driver can register for both. So you can register mm-hmm. for both Fine. Lyft and Uber, and, and you're you're getting the same service. The other thing that slightly bugs me about this again, it's a sort of internet thing. It's a bit. Um, who who knows what? Who knows what Lyft's view on trump is who knows in fact what uber's think the, the, the problem that you know that we've got now is that anything that touches trump is toxic right now uh, so actually therefore people who you would like to be able to advise trump on better ways of doing things cannot be associated with that because for example the internet will get up in arms and therefore destroy your company so who knows what this guy's advice would be maybe he's the only thing holding him back and you get a twat there instead, who, uh, you know, someone who doesn't care about all the, uh, you know, I, I'm. This is all completely theoretical. I have no, understand, no, you know, no I have no I, background and knowing what these people are like. Yes. Um, but you know, have a good advisor there, someone <laughs> that's going to advise him to and do non nutty things. Yep, that's must for you. You'd rather be in the room trying to change it than be outside the room just letting it happen. Is basically what he was saying. Because you get rid of the good ones, you get even more nutters in there, and then they do even more nutty things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the, the other thing about Lyft, I mean, so so they very they were one of the first companies to actually donate to the um, ACLU. So they said, "There's a million dollars." So whether that was opportunistic, whether they just or whether the you know the, the company believes in that, you'll never know. But they played this one really well, and Uber didn't. Um, and it took them a few days to to I guess 
position themselves and that certainly there was lots of journalists saying they reckoned um, there was a, a leak out the company that they'd lost 200,000 users. So a fair number. I imagine it's hurtful, but uh, people will then lose Uber and then they'll use Lyft and Lyft will then say something wrong and then we'll move on no, from Lyft. I, and then, agreed. You know. it's just, it just shows, I guess, the fickle nature of some of these things. But, yeah, yeah. but there is... I think this is the. I think the, the Trump's galvanised so many people this time that that the kind of, I guess, the social media campaigning is actually pretty effective. Yes, it, well, it seems to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, even if a little bit aimless. Um, yes. So there's CEOs resigning off of <laughs> economic advisory groups as well. Yeah. Uh, like you say, the Elon Musk is uh, is is staying he's he's staying so he's he's he he went through a number of tweets he, he coupled he copied trump and decided to talk on twitter and um he, he just has the view that that you know i'll try and i'll try and make changes from within and lobby and and position um and, interestingly, and it's not like twitter can um <laughs> it's not like twitter's gonna have any effect on yeah let's not use spacex <laughs> No, um, and so certainly a few people were saying cancelling my Tesla order, but there's there's not hundreds of thousands of Tesla orders right now, so I don't think yeah. it's damaging the brand too much. And equally, they weren't part of the the group, the tech companies that had, that, had, that legal um, mm-hmm. um, filing that we talked about right at the start of the podcast, but they joined after a few days. So again, I think that was a little bit of positioning, and, and actually, we need to be doing this. This is. It doesn't make sense to not join this because as a company, employees are telling them. So it was a whole, yeah. I guess it was a whole load of pressure from within the company as well saying, we thought you had better values. You need to be helping and you need to be joining us. An interesting one, Google um, is going to appeal a court case which has said that it uh, is being ordered to hand over user emails that are stored outside the US. An interesting one. So this actually goes against uh an agreement that, uh, well, sorry, a, a filing or a, what's the? I'm struggling with words. This is bad news this evening. Well, you see, so, we've not done this for two and a half weeks. So yes, I've, that's I've what not it spoken is. to anybody in two and a half weeks. This is like the first, my first speech. <laughs> so, goes against a previous ruling. Is the word I was looking for? I don't know why that was struggled with that one. Um, that had said no, you can't uh, view data that's stored in another country. This ruling said. It's going to take a different view, which is the actual act of privacy invasion does not happen until an email is viewed. So it's saying that the transit of information from foreign shores to the US is fine because that's no non-impactful on the privacy of whatever that data happens to be. And therefore they can transport it to the US shores and then look at it because then it's within the US remit. Um, so they're saying from a user's perspective none nothing of their privacy has been interrupted until the su- such time as it's been looked at and therefore we have the right to move this data and then get our grubs on, grubby bits on it because it's now within our uh fair shores um uh, google has said this goes against the previous uh ruling and therefore is going to appeal it but nevertheless at moment <laughs> it's kind of like saying yeah yeah we're, we're going to keep that box locked that was in a previous uh, in a country we're going to take the safe out of it and we're going to move it to our country and then we're going to unlock the safe in our country because we're allowed to do that under our law yes and i guess i guess there's always been some um contention that you know if you are an american 
posting your content on an American server, it can be got to. But there was always that, if I'm from the UK, you should be able to get to my data. And this, as you say, this looks to unpick that. And I think it's got big implications for, you know, everybody's chasing after the enterprise moving to cloud. This has got a real big implication in that if, if you can't know that your data can't be targeted. So what's to stop, what's to stop Trump turning around to Google and saying, release that company's data, please, to me? If 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 Google had, you know if Google have um, you know an Iranian data center, does that mean that because that's as part of Google's network that Iran can therefore demand that all US day data is moved to Iran and then viewed? I doubt that they'd have the same view no. of things that way around. No, but oh, nevertheless, well, definitely not because it's um, it's America first and make America great again. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yes, it, it's we've talked about this many many times before. It's the impossibility of these false lines that we call geographic location um, and yeah. countries. No, it's, in, it's, it's, exactly. In the world of the internet. Yes. And it's the same when it comes to like finance, taxes, exactly. all that kind of stuff. It just gets... It leads to ridiculous things, basically. Yes. Yeah. The sooner we can all be uh, Star Trek and live under one unified banner, then the better. Is that not a federation? Is that not some sort of horrible thing? No. I don't know, but they have food replicators and I'd quite fancy that right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Twitter has moved into place new um, features to stop trolls. Um, basically, these features. <clears throat> one of the problems with Twitter before was if you blocked an account uh, from someone who was being a troll or even you know being harassment or even stronger, that that account could be stopped. But then it's nothing to stop that person just opening a new account and doing exactly the same thing all over again. These new features are designed to transparently stop someone doing that. So if a user gets banned, then the idea is that that user is banned and they will use signals and, I guess, IPs and all sorts of different location-based stuff to make sure, or even, I guess, maybe even content you know, vetting to check that that person is not then able to just quickly open another Twitter account and, and continue their reign of terror. Yes. So uh, uh, certainly they had to do something. It's... it's it's the most toxic network out of them all, um, and it's also very public. So it's all, it's all, you know, it's all out there, and there's there's no hiding place. But it's also such a great platform. So all the benefits that you get from, I can talk to Elon Musk. You know what I mean? And he might yeah. reply to me. And, and yeah, that, he, uh, you could have that direct connection. Yeah, and and you still see that. You still see people retweeting these amazing direct connections that are like, wow, that is that is the best. Um, so I still think there's value there, but they had to do something. And, and so there's a couple other features announced as well, but they made a little bit of a misstep yesterday. So they they, they said to help, you know, one of the first safety things we're doing is we're going to stop telling you when you're added to lists. And they saw that as a way of helping people, but lots of people were like, no, this is how we know we're being targeted because you get added to a, you know, you might get added to a, I don't know, a snowflake list or you get added to a bleeding heart liberal list or you get added to a troll this person list or you get added, you know, so it is a, that is a real signal that you know, uh, uh oh, I'm in trouble now. You know, there's, <laughs> so there's that's people... a bit like saying we're going to stop this by just hiding it away from you. Yeah, not, and that's not that's not thing. really just make helping. you feel better. No, yeah, exactly. If you don't know it's happening, then <laughs> that's that. So they, after a couple of hours, were like, "We hear you." That was a misstep, and they reversed mm -hmm. that. So it sounds like they're feeling their way around this one, but but good, good that they're actually saying we're going to try and fix this as best we can. 
Dropbox um, has released a feature called Smart Sync, and basically that lets a, the business users use Dropbox as a kind of network drive, basically. So you never have, or you you can view the whole of your Dropbox folder without actually having to have all those files natively on your system. So effectively, it's just like opening up Dropbox, but instead of having to have all the content synced locally, uh, you can basically double click on a file as if it was local and in the background it will transparently download that file so you can work on it. So for example you can have Word documents or whatever stored. It's effectively a network drive where it pulls it down locally while you work on it and then effectively seamlessly puts it back and removes your local copy of it in the background. Uh, it works cross-platform um, and they seem relatively pleased with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't release it, you know, by saying it's rubbish. They said it's good. Uh, and if I've not personally got access to use this, um, but it certainly makes sense, especially in an enterprise arena where you don't want to just keep shunting that data onto people's local systems and swamping it uh, because some of these drives are massive now that, you know, that, that holding vast amounts of data. So, yep, it's a sensible approach uh, and it sounds good. And I, I make use of SmartSync. So I've still got to, I've still got like, you know, I've still got my desktop laptop and every so often I'll forget one of the folders. I'm like, why is this? Oh, there's mm. five gig of data getting shunted yes. over. It's like, what? turn that off. Um, so yeah. I think this is, this is, as you say, it, it just sounds like a big mess in the cloud, but you're not downloading everything. And yeah. see if it's just a Word file or it's just text files. It, you know, there's it, it's quick enough now that you can just, you know, if I just yeah, double yeah. click on it. We're not limited by speed of data now no. that we were, you know, even two years ago so certainly yeah. if i'm editing you know if i'm editing audio file it would take a bit if i was editing video that would take quite a while so there's there's i guess it's certain files it makes sense to do and others not but i think this is a a, a good thing another bit of serious ha you know haves and have nots though because there are still like like we keep bleating on about every now and again uh, there are still bits of the country that do not get any internet coverage and these kind of technologies where now you need a fast broadband these are the kind of places where why those people need yep. to have that and there's, there's fiber providers now i just registered for one last week um that are doing um 500 gig down 500 gig up wow. um for 60 quid a month yeah so it's definitely yes you can see why um and although it sounds expensive i'm paying 52 virgin right now for what is it two 250 or 210 or something down and 10 up but that's only ever good i mean say you, that's going to happen to you you're in a big metropolitan area you can have these fiber cabinets that allow that to happen really it's like the walking dead out there with drug users in glasgow <laughs> <to this now. laughs> you're still you're still closer to a metropolitan than uh, you ever come to glasgow to, to govern so you're walking dead <laughs> yeah we need we need i need to get to glasgow one day Oh God! And that's just, that's just in sunny Govan, as the <laughs> never mind the never mind the streets. <laughs> uh, Dropbox is releasing globally its can paper. I just, app. Can, I, can I just check? Yeah. Did they smug release this app, or or were they just quietly content about this one? They were pretty. They were pretty pleased with themselves. Okay, yeah, okay. pretty pleased with themselves. So, um, note taking app paper is going out globally in twenty one languages. So this is effect. Yeah. Is, is it like, again, I've not really kept up with this. Is it like Evernote? Is that the kind of idea with this? It's like Google Docs. Right, okay. So, so it's like it's, an collaborative type, in, yep. you know. Yep. Okay. So it's, uh, and again, it's just that we're obviously looking at what Google's doing. And so Salesforce is a bit more enterprisey rather than, you know, customer, you know, like consumer facing. But it is, it is really like that, that. So you can, 
you easily bring in, you know, create a doc, collaborate, bring in content. I, I, I haven't tried it, but certainly when I looked at some of the walkthroughs, it was like, ooh, that actually looks, you know, very nice. So, mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. So if you, you can go and get it now. Um, is, it, is it cost extra? I assume... Um, I didn't think it did. I thought it was just initially for business customers. So the business customers. I mean, that's certainly where Dropbox is focusing now, right? It's, it's all all these things that they're releasing and announcing are all aimed at their business service. And I think it's just so they've got a more viable product. So I think they've yes. been under a bit of pressure to, you know, you've got lots of people. And the thing is, if you stop using Dropbox, what else? You know, what other, mm. you know, so iCloud's there, but it doesn't go at the same file sizes and there's that, that reliability kind of scruffiness about it. And then you can, you can always roll your own, but just put Dropbox on, it just kind of still works. It's really good. I mean, Google Drive's probably had a big impact at the corporate level. Cause it's yeah, obviously doing no, I think, and I think, so I think as a consumer, most folk will just see Dropbox. And I think lots of enterprise, so Box is the other one that stole a lot of Dropbox's thunder from the enterprise perspective, and not so much consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, consumer is still Dropbox, people know about it. Amazon Alexa is escaping your house and getting into cars, driving off. <laughs> Alexa, take me home. Yeah. Um, so basically, they're, <clears throat> they're, the devices are getting injected into, into cars. So uh, just, you know, the next step along the voice activation and maybe it'll make cars voice activation type stuff work. So we, we talked about this at CS, if you recall. We talked about it. Is it Ford? And I'm trying to remember who else it was. Was it VW? I can't remember. I can't remember. There was, a, there were quite a, there was two yeah. that were launching very soon in America. And what this is, this is like um, this is like the voice. So this is the voice service. Alexa voice service is now in the UK. Previously, it was only US. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you can do now is you can actually, you know, I can, so Logitech can have their little speaker and have that baked in um, as part of the service. But you've also got, um, oh, and it is Logitech. I've just, just realised why I said Logitech in the next paragraph. Um, so there's like a 50 quid dashboard mount so you can actually stick that in your car so you can mm-hmm. just buy that stick it in your car just now and be using Alexa in the car um, but there's also um, a development aspect that's came with this so you can actually just from a browser start to create your app use a voice service and you don't actually have to have hardware so you can develop these things now in the UK so it's 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 a really nice step up and I still, I still think they've just got such a lead because even Google's still America only right now with with their, oh, was it Home? Uh, yeah. Um, so I just think they've got a lead, and it, so there's an article just today where they, where they were talking to Sonos, so they're saying they're bringing their, um, Alexa integration very soon. Uh, I thought it was out already. Okay, so it's. it's I think soon. I think it's still soon, but what they're mm-hmm. talking about is you need to use your daughter, your 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 Echo to to use it. Mm-hmm. But they also hinted in the article with the Verge that, you know, it totally makes sense that our hardware has to have this baked in. You know, so I'm guessing there's going to be a range of new Sonos devices that are all, you know, voice control via Alexa. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And again, in the car, it makes sense. You know, it's a sensible thing to ask for a particular audio book to start playback, to Absolutely. ask for a radio yeah. station, to increase decrease volume whatever it just makes it makes quite a lot of sense for that that hands-free operation when in a in a environment where we do need to get away from people using their phones in their car people still do use their phone and if you can voice operate something then that's been proven to be less yeah i I, I can do voice uh voice in my car and it's Mm -hmm. crap you know it's just it's just really so actually and, and bad voice is probably 
but you know is badly distracting oh rage exactly so yeah so it's it's important they get it right and it's an important technology for when, I, when i ask it to phone my mum and it randomly picks like you out of my contacts book and mm. says phoning chris hutchison you're like <laughs> yeah. no what no stop then you're not looking at the road because you're trying to stab stop on the no you just say no stop <laughs> car stop <laughs> then it stops your car <laughs> amazon's new chime video calling service um aimed at taking on the skype and webex in the kind of enterprisey type arena um effectively it's got a charge per user and there's also various levels of uh, of account you can get but it's basically going after the go-to meeting you know citrix type uh, environment um and they're they've added sort of their, their, their unique selling point if you like is that in a in a hostless call anyone can mute anyone's mic if they're being noisy and annoying uh, and then that person would have to unmute themselves when they um when they're ready to talk again and i think i don't think it'd be long before other people start doing that i mean we, we see i've seen with things like slack it tells you when it looks like you're talking when you're on mute things like that so it, it notifies you um and basically things are getting better at you know wiping out background noise but is annoying if you're running a call and, and there's an awful lot of noise on the line and be quick just to you know if, if your users can actually mute people it's even better yeah especially especially if you've got somebody that's on a, like a shared mic in an office you know yes. and, a, and they're typing away and moving things yeah. around you're like guys um, yeah. so amazon it felt almost apple like reading what they're trying to do because it was what they're emphasizing is what to make this easy people yeah. still have hassles setting up video conferences but what to make it easy and um it just shows you where Amazon are going. It's just, it's yep. just amazing that people, you know, I guess a lot of normals still see it as just a, that's where going buy stuff on the internet. And I think, you know, for like, like so you and me, it's, it's like that's that's just a sideline. You know, it's. I, I mean, know, I know you, Prime you know, TV. It's it's AWS. every now and again we have every now and again we have, um, the the kind of earnings call type data and we say how all these other tech firms are making loads of money amazon not really making very much but they are always making money and they are always branching out into things that seem to turn into fair successes so it feels like they 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 invest back a lot of their um operating and you know into infrastructure as well it's that kind of gold panning thing where they supply in the gold pans rather than actually going out looking for that nugget of gold um and i you know, I like I like Amazon as a company in from that kind of slow and steady wins the race type perspective. No, totally. And and most of their stuff and the other bit that I'm really quite impressed with, they didn't keep persevering with the phone. Tried the phone, failed, ditched it. Yep. You know, it was just like that's not working. Go. You know, we've, yeah. that's no, not where we should be. And I and I just think, you know, still really quite a laser focus on what where they're where they're going. Yeah, and what they're good at. Yeah. YouTube is opening up the mobile live streams. If you've got, um, I think it's over a thousand subscribers, you can now live stream on. 10,000. 10, is it 10,000? Yeah, so still quite a number. Okay. Um, fine. So, anyway, so you, as long as you've got <laughs> pretty much everyone watching you, you can actually turn on live streaming. So, this is, you know, off the back of these like Facebook type services and Twitter's uh, sort of periscope whatever it's called uh you can now do it on, on youtube but they're kind of limiting it to i guess their premium 
type users. Yeah, I'm surprised it's taken them this long because you've yeah. seen, as you said, the, the, mentioned, the ones you've mentioned there have been around for quite a while, so they've been quite almost quite slow for you. It's almost like they're not chasing. I guess they get so much yeah. <laughs> random content anyway. Maybe they're just not chasing that extra data that actually is. Yeah, I mean, ha- I mean, I guess how many live, how many Facebook live streams do you watch live, or do you just watch them when they've, you know, afterwards anyway? It's not like. It just it depends. So some some depends who if some you get a notification sometimes. Yeah. And you're going to be like, you know, why is Tam live streaming? Oh, is exactly. It, and how many times has it been actually of use other than a waste of I, bandwidth? I always. I'm not calling Tam a waste of bandwidth. No, I'm just saying I in general, watch. Facebook Tam, Live could be considered a waste of bandwidth. Tam's live streams are the best live streams I've ever watched. Well, the, um, sponsor yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's as you say. But it's like it's like the amount. I remember we used to do the stats about how much videos uploaded to YouTube like every second. Oh, and that was and we're talking ten years ago since we've done that stat. So nowadays it's probably oh. you know seven lifetimes every second or something. You know, yes. you know. So and the live streaming is just only you're going, going, to, going to exasperate that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of data to uh, store somewhere. So isn't it? The, other, the other bit they've turned on is you can pay. You can pay to chat. No. Yeah, I know it's weird. So you can pay to promote your chat message. If you'd like, uh, which I guess is a thing for some people. I don't know. So, so part of me, I, I, I don't know. I guess there's other services that are doing that, but it just yeah. felt a bit, you know. And I it's guess another it's, way other than subscribing, I guess, because that's what Twitch does. You subscribe, but it, you know, on a on a heavy Twitch channel, as it's it's impossible to read the chat. It goes by so quick. Plus, it's normally toxic and not worth the effort of reading it anyway. Um, but I guess. They've also said YouTubers said they're going to slow down that that chat stream. Yeah. So that if there are that many people there, then the chances are you're not going to see your chat no. message. It's not and going to be relevant yeah. to what you're watching. Therefore, having that paid promotion means that if you really got something important to say, <laughs> you can go and pay to have it said. And you're absolutely spot on with Twitch. Any popular channel is just just messages just going. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's pointless and and like I say, the ones you do see are just mucky, horrible stuff yeah. anyway and, and youtube comments not much better to be honest there's quite a no. lot of, quite a lot of crap. Uh, internet comments i think we could s- describe these things that in fact people they're the problem people yes pretty prize the problem at the moment for disney um has dropped um disney's dropped him uh over anti-semitic joke videos so basically overstepped the line by i think fair a fair amount and um disney has dropped him and YouTube have also effectively dropped him from being in their premium um, users. They're not dropping him from the channel. They're just saying we ain't putting uh, certain advertising campaigns on your, you know, on your your channel now. Yeah, I've I've always struggled with them. I've got to be honest. I've never really. I think I've like watched one video of his. Yeah, I just I just found the kind of high pitched screeching, shouting, random swearing. Um, it just just grated, just just didn't didn't get it. And other people have called him very clever. And clearly, he's a you know he's got a massive he's got he's like the most followed, he's got a massive following, makes loads of money from it. So fair play to him. Um, yeah, they but, reckon he makes fourteen million a year, and he's got about fifty million subscribers. Yeah, and I've I've listened I've I've listened to other you know listened and watched other podcasts where people are saying, oh, he's a really smart guy. You need to get beyond that character that he plays. And it's like, no, I don't need to. 
because it's no, just... exactly. You don't need to, and also, no. No, uh, you know, as happens a lot of times, you know, they go for the controversial so thing and they yeah, move it to they move it and and they get burnt because of so it. So he's and... he's put up nine different videos um, dating back to August 2016. So it's a fairly recent thing. It's not like mm. somebody's trolled all these videos, and it's so since since August of so last six months, and. Um, you know, one of one of the latest ones was it it paid it, it, and so allegedly what he wanted to prove was that if you use Fiverr and you meet an sub request, somebody will do it. So he paid two guys in India to hold up a sign saying "Debt to All Jews," mm-hmm. and and that but but he didn't have to put that up, and he's now mm-hmm. he's now removed the clip, so he's now realising because he's put up a post saying uh, you can prove a point about what people are prepared to do for a without, fiver without many, doing many that you know so he's, he had to ask him to do it you know so and then you've put that content up but also there's a bit of a and whether whether you believe it or not but there's a there's a trend here nine videos all anti-semitic is an issue you know that isn't a, and for a company like disney i'm amazed disney even partnered with him to be honest yeah. it was a bit of a surprise when it was like you're partnering with him you know it was like that he's never had particularly, you know, family-friendly content. Um, so YouTube, so YouTube Red is the YouTube paid service, and they they'd done a kind of video last year. Was it about scare PewDiePie or something? And he was doing stunts, and season two was about to start. That's now been dropped, and they've also taken them off their premium video, premium advertising or Google preferred advertising program, which is only reserved for its bigger and more marketable creators. Yeah. Um, and he, if you do look at it, so he's, he's bubbled up in my newsfeed over the last sort of month, six weeks, because he's been, I'm going to delete my account and YouTube yes. are keeping money from me and YouTube are doing this to me. And and it was all about, when I, when I read some of the articles, it was like, I can't, I can't, you can't determine, is he, is he being deliberate about this? Is he being fake about this? Is it, is it real? As the, the problem art- with reality stars. Exactly. And as the article says, it's 14 millions I reckon they got from ad revenue, sponsorships and public appearances just last Sometimes year. Sometimes you don't know when you're on to a good thing. So, I, yeah, I can't see him making 14. And obviously he knows it's a problem because he's put out a, a statement saying he now realises, although he was just trying to make a, make a statement, he's, yeah, he's got that, that, responsibility. He yeah. that he shouldn't have done it. And also he's removing videos now as well. Horse bolted and all that kind of stuff. If Disney would like to sponsor a online digital podcast, they are more than welcome. Um, Absolutely, their Absolutely. money is welcome here. No, 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 smutty remarks from either of us tonight. Everywhere the sun touches. That we have recorded. Apple is going to make some original content, and it's decided that music is going to be at the heart of it. So, in a no, similar way, no, no, what? no. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I read that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> How about you take this story in? So Apple Music is at the heart of the company's strategy for original TV shows. There you go. Well, I did the same thing. Is this I a, just put a word in a different it's place. It's all the same words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just slightly different order. But to be honest, what you said makes more sense than what Apple are doing. Because, because Apple, are, so they're making two TV shows, and I think they covered this before. So there's um, Planet of the Apps, which is all focused on a kind of come on pitch, almost Dragon's Den like, and if the one of the one of the four judges you know like what they see, then they'll go and develop the app, and then you go and pitch to a venture capitalist firm mm-hmm. with the promise that your app will feature on the app store and mm-hmm. you and you'll make millions. Um, and this just it just looks cheesy as hell. So the release going out on Apple Music. Yeah, and that's and that's why I'm saying it's a problem. So you've got TV content that Apple are making for the first time. 
You've yeah. got a you've got a brand called Apple Music, and Apple have got a thing called an Apple TV, and it's and, and so yes, <laughs> and Apple and it's Music crying out for content. Yeah. So Apple Music does sit on an Apple TV, but it just yeah. seems weird that, yeah. that to view this, I need an Apple Music subscription. But then we're talking, you know, are they thinking we can be like an MTV? Because MTV ain't about real music anymore. It's it's not like, you know, I'm I'm sure wider than music. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a strategy there. It just looks a bit odd. What they're trying to do is get people to more people to subscribe to Apple Music and give more reasons to subscribe to Apple. So this 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 all came from Eddie Q, who was on Record Media. So so there's a couple of media stories coming up. I have just sneaked in a Facebook one after this one just in case you do go what the hell i don't remember reading this um but so so eddie eddie q was basically saying they're, they're over 20 million subscribers so clearly they're getting a good you know a good growth on apple music and it is a it's a really good product i really enjoy using it um yeah some I've, people swear about you yeah. i've totally moved over to the you know i'm a streamer now you know i don't mm-hmm. really you know i don't buy music anymore and um i just still find it a bit odd. so apple have dipped her toe in the uh, it's actually just shown Shaq it yesterday. There's a couple of really good documentaries, music documentaries, and Apple Music that are all video based. Mm-hmm. Um, so original content that they've produced. So this is one of them that starts in March. Um, so not far away, and it'll have a standalone app as well. So you can, and when you see the two minute trailer they've released, it doesn't look great. The, the judges, you know, it's like Willie Am, Jessica Alba. You know, you're like, mm. really? You know, so Gwyneth Paltrow is one of the judges. And even Jessica Alba says she knows it in her gut when she sees a good app idea. Really? <laughs> Don't know about that. And and maybe Ouch. she does. Ouch. Maybe she does. She's gonna see. Um, but it feels very unApple like and it doesn't sit well with the I guess the Apple geeky types. And you've seen it already in Twitter today. Even an Apple employee who was actually I'm embarrassed that Apple are spending money on this. Right, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure there'll be a bit of repercussion on that. Because mm-hmm. Apple aren't they they don't like people talking in public. So um, so and the next one that's coming out is Carpool Karaoke. Yes. So based on James Corden. So that's an eight without James Corden. So that that feels a bit more. That is music related, you know. Yeah, yeah totally. That that kind of makes sense. But the app one, yeah, not so much. Mm. Not so much. Um, so it'll be. An, I, I don't know. I don't know if it'll, it'll change over time. Will you just end up with an Apple Media or just an Apple? You know, and yeah, and, will they combine the two, and that'll be one of the announcements they make. I think. You know, it just it just doesn't feel right that you're subscribing to Apple Music to go and watch a TV show. And also, the, the interesting thing it's a traditional launch. It's going to be weekly content drops. It's mm-hmm. not a Netflix style, which is like there's every episode. Go and watch what you want. Yes, which I don't know how I feel about either of those at the moment. No, cause, because because I don't like myself for binge watching. And, and I don't, don't like having to wait. <laughs> so I have a bit of a dichotomy. So basically you hate yourself. I do. Yeah. Facebook is launching an app for Apple TV and Amazon Fire TV. Yes. So again, this has come out of record just just before or just as we were speaking tonight. Yeah. Um, so they are, and it's not just it's not just going to be on Apple TV. So Apple TV gets the big headlines, but there's Amazon Fire TV. It's going to be on Samsung Smart TV. So mm-hmm. basically you're going to have a Facebook Basically Facebook app. on your TV. Yep. And you'll be able to watch video on it. Okay. Um, so they're a massive, massive video platform. I guess lots of people, you, you probably don't realise it because you see it as social media, but they're a massive video platform now. Yeah, because um, you can upload your video direct to them and play and, and and people do that and therefore brands do that and therefore there's stuff 
and and the app will let you can so you can recommend videos for other users. You can watch videos, um, so they're already saying that your you know Wall Street Journal, um, uh, sorry Wall Street Journal had already reported on this. So I think Facebook were just really, they were just talking about here's here's where we're going, um, and they're not really said when it's coming out. However, something I did read and they have confirmed is going to happen. That I am very disappointed. Autoplay videos in the newsfeed will now play with the sound on. Wow. So and you, it's, it's so as long, assuming your phone's not in silent, as mm. you start playing a oh city go away, assuming your phone's not in silent, um, people will hear what you're watching, which is um, which uh, is going to lead to a lot of troll videos as well, isn't it? <laughs> so what they've said is you can disable this feature in settings. Okay. So well, as, I guess there's that's always that's always the get out clause, and I, I, that's fair enough then. Fair enough. And, and they're also do they're also doing things like picture in picture, so you can watch videos while continuing to scroll through. So there's clearly like, videos. You know, I guess with sound, a lot of people sit with the headphone on now and whatever. But if you're not sitting with headphones on, then yeah, you... okay, fair enough. I don't really want to hear what other people are watching on their phone. That's the problem. No, and you've probably never used public transport. No, <laughs> what's that? Yeah, exactly. Video, <laughs> uh, smart TVs—they were a bit naughty. More than a they, bit. Yeah, it's kind of you know they basically basically to to cut the the story down to its nub, they collected all the viewing habits of users without telling the users they were going to collect their viewing habits, uh, and that's obviously a, a no no. Um, and they have have they had their wrists slapped or have they just had a bit of a backlash from Twitter? <laughs> um. There's been so there's a complaint is actually so Vizio are, are an American brand, mm. so they are and and they get great reviews because they're very very you know they're priced really competitively compared to everybody else and the quality mm-hmm. so amount of, amount of, every year you'll see you know lots of review sites saying get this Vizio TV get this Vizio mm-hmm. TV it's really good, um so this was a complaint filed to the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, um so they have had to you know they've they've basically said yep. Um, we we had a program which captured all this information. We've been doing it without telling anybody. We've been doing it for the last three years. Um, and they so, have said that some of their kind of terms and conditions kind of allows for it, but it's not really... It's, not it's, really. They went well beyond what they were kind of suggesting that they were collecting. Yeah. So what they said, it was anonymized and you couldn't tell who it was, but then they also periodically put IP addresses on it. Hmm. So so it, there was something so that said... <laughs> Yeah, so there was there was a potential that you know, oh, I know that's Chris Hutchinson's IP, and from Facebook I can scrape that Chris Hutchinson is all this. So I know that, you know, a mid forties male like Chris Hutchinson um, mm. watches all this TV. And it's just another one of those kind of honeypot things, a bit like Facebook had when you know with its all its app permissions and people used them, and then they, they had scraped away all those things until Facebook had to lock it all down. It's like a honeypot of data that's really you know that's important information for a TV and a media company, yet they effectively were taking that without permission, and therefore it's just not on. No, and and so too tempting for them. And you wonder how many other so so the, you were saying. Visio can argue they're allowed to do this. The the so there was a feature called smart interactivity, mm-hmm. which enables program offers and suggestions. But there was never anything in there that said it, it would didn't also say I'm going to read everything you're doing to be able to do yeah. that and deliver the service. So yeah. there's there is a bit of me that thinks you know is Samsung doing it, is Philips doing it, is well, and, and who, Sony and doing it. 
it may be that they think their terms and conditions are written because you never read them. The terms and conditions <laughs> and the features are written in such a way that they allows them to do it without you, you know, having a recourse. The, the fact is that this this has recourse and that's why it's a story. I wouldn't be surprised if if there is plenty of this going on without users' express knowledge. But maybe they've signed up to something that says, yeah, you can do this without without their express knowledge. And and that is partly down to us as consumers doing that whole tick agree. Off we go. Oculus paying a half a billion dollars to Zenimax. So this was a lawsuit about uh, it was it's effectively um, non-disclosure agreements. And, and then there was also IP infringement, things like that um, during the development of the Oculus. Uh, and the courts basically said, yes, it did. They did break a, a non-disclosure agreement, but no, they didn't. Um, it, it wasn't copyright infringement on top of that. Yeah. So they were asking for four billion. It was the judges said it's five hundred million. Facebook are going to appeal because um, they don't believe they they did anything wrong, um, or Oculus sorry didn't do anything wrong. Um, so yeah, a bit of a, a, a I guess it's, it's, it's uh, half a billion is a lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot of money, um, and this alongside there's been just a bit of a whiff round VR AR just because it's not really happened as much as everybody wanted it to. You know, the sales figures have been they've been okay have not been great but... yeah i think we're going to see that change though just getting more and more it's not just techie people now talking about vr no, there's, exactly there's i'm even in my facebook feed now i'm seeing stuff bubbling up people going wow this is amazing this is the next step and i think i think what's helped it is psvr has certainly lots more people have bought that because it was affordable and it was, a, it was yeah. an easier entry point um, I just hope that they keep the content coming. So I think Resident Evil Seven. People are saying it's a, it's just oh scary ass playing mm. that in VR. But I think Sony have got a responsibility now that they've put a product out there. You need to keep on, you know, feeding that content, and or else it becomes um, it becomes like the Wii, you know. Yes. And it's like I've yeah, spent yeah. a lot of money on something. I'm not really using it here. Let's PS4 update is going to bring external hard disk drive support. So you can attach your hard disk drive and you can have content on there just up to 8 terabytes in size. It's got to be via USB 3 to get the speed going. Um, but that should be available now. Is it available no, to download? No, it's, it's a, so it's, if you're a beta tester, you get it. So this yeah, update okay. actually was two, two big things. Uh, and one of them wasn't the ability to put on your own wallpaper. Um, one, one of them was the, the external support so I on my older PS4 I actually threw in a bigger drive just because yeah. you, you just run out um, yeah. and the new one I've still got 50% free but I'll definitely be picking up a USB drive at some point because you also it loads games quicker because it's quicker than internal SATA so you're, if you go via USB 3 yes it's another plug and another peripheral but you know, some of the games are loading in like a minute less. You know, it's like instead of two and a half yeah. minutes, it's a one minute forty. You know, I've so never it's... looked back since attaching my USB three to my Xbox. I'm happy now. I've got space to play with. Uh, space to is... play with, games to install. Ian was Ian was yet again right in that advice. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> the big thing is 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 boost mode. So they kind of hid this from the actual release. But if you're a PS4 Pro owner. There was a boost mode, and what the boost mode does is for games that haven't been patched to take advantage of the extra hardware and things that are in the PS4 Pro, it just boosts it. So you're seeing some unpatched games going from 30 frames per second to 60 frames per second. Okay, real, so just via API big, changes, yeah, basically. Yeah, real big jump. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, it's actually a really big, important update. So I think a lot of people were sitting defensive about the PS4 Pro saying, you know what, it's, there's not many games updated. And I, I certainly noticed a difference in the games that were. 
But then there's games like the golf club have actually been more difficult to play because yes. they're, 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 they're output into 4K. It's not optimized to do that and it struggles. Mm. I get a real stutter. You know, when, and it sounds so sad. So I get a real stutter when I do a backswing. So it's, it's like. But maybe really... boost mode will solve that then. So this is a really big and important update. Mm. Steam's changing the way uh, it's going to be getting games onto its system, um, especially for indie developers and the sort of smaller games. They used to have a kind of um, curation almost process where people voted for games to go into Steam, but now they're going to just be charging a flat fee somewhere between $105,000. They haven't actually figured out where to do it. And this is going to basically mean anyone can add content to Steam if they deem it worth their while doing so. Uh, I think the reason they were trying to, you know, they they were doing the other model was to try and keep Steam, you know, not having a gazillion titles. But effectively, it's got to that point anyway. Uh, and why do they need to bother with this curation process when they can just do it via monetary economics? And if a developer thinks it's going to be worthwhile and sell, then they might as well put it on Steam. Yeah, it's I I, I had mixed views on this. I could understand why they're doing it, but it also felt like you know, if I'm a you know, if I'm a coder, if I'm a I don't know, 14, 15 year old. Am I, do I have to then go and, you know, get some funds together for a game that maybe nobody will ever buy? Yeah, but then if no one's going to buy it, no one's going to buy it, are they? So God, you're harsh tonight. I, I am a bit, I, I am a little bit, yeah, matter of fact. Um, but the fact is that I think with Steam now, it's got to the point where you have to know what you want to search for to be able to go and find what you're looking for. Oh, anyway. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, 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 like, it's, it's like, it's suffering the App Store problem. Of, exactly. It's hard to, surface content that's what i was going to say so you can go and search because there's apps that are named the same now on the app store and you go and search for it and it's like returning everything but the one that you want you need to exactly. put the developer name in or the company name in so yeah. it's uh, yeah you have to be wise to the, the developer who was it so i make sure i get the right thing yeah there, exactly know. yeah no so um there you go i think I, I think it's a sensible decision i can't see why not um it also opens up to you know, maybe there will be those those hits, but someone's got to back their product to do it. Um, uh, and you're right, it'll take away a 15 year old's maybe programming genius, but they'll just have to become a bit no, more. I think folk. you're just going to see more Kickstarters that said, I've made a great game. <laughs> yeah, give, need, give me a thousand dollars and I'll put it on Steam. Yeah. Yep. Um, is that the end of the news? It is. Well, here we go. Time for. Talking point. <laughs> oh, it never gets old. It's not old, it's new. It's new. Um, <laughs> so, Ian, you have a talking point for us today, actually. Uh, I, I do. So, you remember years ago, we used to do Apple earnings and Google earnings and Microsoft earnings, and we just decided one day they all make lots of money. Let's not care. <laughs> make more money than we're ever going to see in our life. But the one thing that keeps on reoccurring with Apple is that iPad sales keep shrinking. So it's down another 20%. I mean, the iPad had amazing growth sales to start with. It it shot up the rankings. Yep. And since they've been diversifying the iPad into different versions, different, you know, it's a, away from just being a, a plain, you know, a large, you know, a larger, larger phone. It's diluted itself, I think. So the, the thing, and this is just an overall iPad figure, so it's not trying to break down iPad Pros and iPad mm -hmm. Airs and iPad Minis. It's just, there's how many iPads were sold. And they're still sold an amazing number. So in the last quarter, it was 13.3 million iPads. You know, So you compare that to a 
all the Macs sold, which were five million. So it's still yeah, it's still, you know, a, it's still a massive number. Yeah, you know, two and a half, three times. But everybody, including Apple themselves, keep talking about is the iPad the future of computing? So my that, quest, I mean, that was what it was sold to us on, right? My question it? to you, Chris. Go on. Do you think the iPad is the future of computing? So it, that was how it was sold to us. And certainly I didn't believe it to start with. And then I did get an iPad. And I really enjoyed my iPad for probably getting on for two, two maybe three years. But I never upgraded it. And it's now got to the point where I haven't charged it for probably another two years. <laughs> so... <laughs> Is it the future of computing? No, because I've since I have bought a, a massive VR PC. Uh, I've spent my money on a new laptop. I've spent my money on X, Y, and Z, but I have not spent any more money on an iPad. So, does that mean it's the future of computing? From in my mind, no. I I totally saw where they were coming from, but I also and from the very first day, we pretty much said, fine for consumption, not for creation. So. I tend to partly agree with you. So I think I think all we're going to see is you're going to end up with a number of platforms, and depending on what you want to use, you'll go for that device. So see, like as you said, you you wanted a VR machine. iPad is not going to do it in its current form. You know, it's not going to deliver that power. It's not going to power a headset. Blah blah blah. Uh, but but if I look at you know my mum, she would never buy a gaming PC. No, that whole a whole PC thing would just be like. Why would what would I do with this? What's this keyboard? How what's a password? What do I log in? Mm-hmm. Whereas she can take an iPad out, and I, I can guarantee you she's she's doing loads on it. So for her, it's like this is all I need. I can do emails. So that is. So for her, it is. And I think I think it's back to this. There's a section of you know if you split up the user base, I think there's a section of that user base that might be quite high, might be 70 percent. I think the iPad is. That's all they need. You can print from it now. Whereas when you first got an iPad, you couldn't print from it. It was like, how do I print from this thing? Yet, you know, it, it, there's just so many things now that I think you can do with it. I think that's all you need. You don't need any more. But see if you're in any way a creative. And I'm not saying the creatives can't use an iPad. But if you're, I, I still maintain, if you're doing, you know, photo editing, if you're doing graphics, if you're doing, you know, those kind of things. I see the iPad as a companion device, yeah, not a, your not your main current one. So we've seen people create amazing stuff on an iPad, but the innovation is slow to such an extent now as far as, you know, I guess new hardware. Things like that, the, the new... Um, what, was the, what was the workstation that Microsoft released? The Surface Studio. Surface Studio. So things like that suddenly attracted a lot of attention just because there's not a lot going on, you know, as an alternative. So I think the iPad has, it's definitely got its place. I just don't consider that to be the future. Now, I think I've spoken on this topic before. I think the future, and I think we've seen it a few times, and I think we'll see it much more, is a personal processor type device, which is not much bigger than a phone, yet has the power to deliver content across multiple different delivery formats. So, you know, if you're in your lounge, it can be synced to your TV and therefore can offer TV plus all the kind of smart features. If you're at your workstation, then it hooks up to your main monitor, your laptop, your keyboard and your mouse and you can use and it's powerful enough to do all those things. And we're not far. Phones are not far away from being that powerful to do things like that. There's no need to have the the display technologies embedded because with things like wireless display now and stuff like that, 
you could take your your little personal device wherever you go and it can hook in you can be in a bar or restaurant and you can then suddenly hook into whatever that you know the the table interface which allows you to order drinks and you can do that all via you know this own personal device now that's where i see the future of it i don't think it's an ipad with a screen on it i think it's a uh, an agnostic device that allows you to carry around with you uh, that power um and yeah, people will offer those the, the places to hook that power into and I think you might be right. So, so I guess a given in my argument is everybody will have a phone. That's yeah. that's that's everybody wants a smartphone. <laughs> that I reckon in five, you know, maybe in five years' time, you're going to be going. Why do we think that? No, someone to come up with some smart idea. Exactly, and it might be it might be. So, see, when we talked about the iPhone launch ten years ago, it might not be everybody wants a phone, but everybody wants an internet communicator. You know, so, mm. so, so yes, back exactly. To yeah. that, that's yeah. taken over. Nobody really wants a phone anymore because you I talk want- to people. <laughs> Everyone's going to need a, an ear synapse interface device, which automatically connects you to anyone via telepathy. But I, but I do wonder if, remember, remember when the iPad came out and Microsoft were all like, "We did this ten years ago," yeah, and everybody was like, "Yeah, but but it didn't work." And yeah. that exact device you've just talked about is what Microsoft showed, you know, eighteen months ago, and yes. it was I've got a Windows phone and I can plug in, a, you know, I can put in a dock. And I've yep. got a keyboard and mouse, and I can be running Windows 10 apps. And everybody at Loan of Applause. And see if you ever tried it. I did. It was cack. And it, that, and that's it, it, it just did it, not have enough grunt. So and it take and it takes that that gap. So from that vision, that kind of that yes. automated home, you know, like Microsoft again, probably 20 years ago was showing us this fully automated home. And it's only when the technology and the internet and the data transfer and all those things catch up enough to make it a reality. Like so now I have lights that follow me around, as in, so I can walk around my house and lights suddenly fade. You know, I can oh, have it fully automated. I had visions of you went to the car and this light was following you. <laughs> feels like it. Feels like if I was a magical man. Uh, and yeah, and then and Alexa make that happen because you know having an internet device that's that's that hit the right spot at the right time. Uh, you know, all those all those things come together. Uh, and I think I think iPad sale was the future of computing when it was released. We've been through that phase, and I think we're coming out the other side of it. So, I think I can I can support and uh, oppose that that view. No, exactly. And I think all we're going to see is I think it will continue to shrink because you talked about your bot one never updated it, and you probably wouldn't now. You know, you, you're just you know you've got other means and you've got your phone. Whereas for me, I'd, I've that's three and a half years, which for me for an Apple device is like that's pretty old. Yeah, but yeah. I, I will you know March April probably get a new one because I still use it quite a bit. But I think if I bought a new one, I'd, I'd end up using it again. It's just yeah. flowed outside of because it's there's nothing on it. I think I need now. Mo- most things are so agnostic as the operating system. There's there's very few sort of exclusives on Apple that I'm desperate for that I can't get elsewhere. Basically, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that talking point. No, no, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You also have a pick. Yeah, I'll do it very quickly because it's going to be over the hour this week. Pick. No, because <laughs> I just oh, want to God. say a penguin. Um, a humble Freedom Bundle. So we've covered Humble Bundle a number of times. This we is did. a Freedom Bundle, thirty dollars. Um, so this is all in support of you know ACLU and the International Rescue Committee. Basically, everybody that, that everybody that's like trying to work against Trump. <laughs> um, so the, the the big thing about this bundle is the size of it. So yes. I think there's like thirty odd games. This plus... is the gadget show prize. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. there's thirty odd games 
most of them multi-platform. There's a couple that are Windows only, um, but there's some big ones like The Witness is in there. Oh, I know, and that's kind of worth thirty dollars on its own, as far as I'm considered. So. You know, so considered, you know, there's Nuclear Throne, there's um, World of Goo, which you must have bought. We were just talking about it before they started. We must have had it three times over. Yeah. Um, the Stanley Parable. Um, Super oh, the Stanley Parable is awesome as well. Super Hexagon is just the best. I love that game. I sunk months into that. We're, so, we're so different. <laughs> 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 but the thing is, there's so many great... Mini Metro. So Mini Metro, again, is an amazing touch-friendly game, but it works on, you know, Mac and Wonder. So, honestly... There's plenty in there. Plenty. runs for the next six days, um, which is maybe just five days now by the time you hear this. Um $30 you can't go wrong so if you go to um, humblebundle.com slash freedom and throw them some cash and they've Definitely. already raised um, so this only went up yesterday what they were saying is we will match up to $300,000 and they've already I think a million and a half because wow, it is okay. such a massive bundle that um, it, it, so yes there's people criticising it and saying I don't like the politics on this it's like tough don't buy it <laughs> don't buy it then yes fine and if even if you don't care about the politics but anyway, it's a great deal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, uh, that is the end of this podcast. Um, long one. A bumper edition, but then we haven't been on for a little while. So two and a half weeks. We, we, yeah, work, been... work and life got in the way. So. It did. Um, if you want to find out more about us in the meantime, before we podcast next, which hopefully will be next week, digitaloutbox.com is the website. Email at info at email. I really struggle tonight. Maybe we should do these more regularly so I don't struggle so much. Email is info at digitaloutbox.com and the Twitter account is digitaloutbox. But you can also hook us up on Twitter. I am Cheesy UK on Twitter. And also, if you want to follow racing stuff, academyracer.co.uk. I've been promising to update that for ages and I haven't. I promise I will. Uh, Ian, where are we going to find you? My blog is iand.net. I'm on Twitter as Sweeper. Thank you very much for listening this far. It's appreciated. And we will talk to you again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.